Based on a true story detailed in an article from New York Magazine in 2015, Hustlers made its grand entrance to the cinematic stage in September of 2019 with energetic bombast. Despite the September release date, a bloated marketing budget, and being banned in several countries, the film managed to burst onto the scene as a surprise critical and financial success. Hustlers would end up receiving many awards, being praised for its writing, direction, and many of its performances, including a great turn from leading star Jennifer Lopez. With a rap sheet like that, we had to get out of the corner and into the ring. So today, you're tossing the money, and we're doing the dance as we ask the question, Hustlers, what's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing good. You start off with that a lot. I'm all right, man, because I do the editing for all these. So I always hear that. I'm all right, man. I'm all right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. well, I just, you know, it's like you got to say something, and yeah, and, that's your like, catchphrase. It's my yeah, well, yeah. When we start making merch for this show, we're we're gonna have the "I'm all right, man." I'm all right, man. I'm all right. <laughs> it's gonna be one of our gonna be one of our our, our shirts for sale in the merch store. I'm all right, man. No. <laughs> uh, so all Seth, right. I I'm all you know right, me, I, all right. You know me, I just say things. <laughs> another one i say you know me i just say things you know me i just uh, the other one you have is actually you have a few catchphrases another one you like a lot is i i would like to you like i would like to push back on that a little bit yeah (laughs) you say that a a little bit yeah 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 all right i I didn't know i didn't know we were making t-shirts so i'm gonna have to really brainstorm yeah you have to find my what are my catchphrases i say i say um a lot (laughs) so there you go <laughs> you're you're listening back more than me. Yeah, that's so, true. I'll have to think about it. All I'll, right, I'll, I'll know. All I'll right, when I hear it, <laughs> we are off the rails a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> let's get back on track. So today, yes, we are watching 2019's Hustlers or 2019, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, this was my selection, and I remember when I was picking it, Seth, you push back a little bit on that <laughs> and yeah. you didn't seem too excited why uh i, I did, honestly i didn't know what it was about uh, i had no idea that this movie was about stripping um which uh was this this movie's one of those movies that like dives into a world you don't know a lot about so it immediately becomes interesting you know mm-hmm. um and i i had no idea that it was about stripping i just knew that it had jennifer lopez in it and then it was all right like that's what I that's what I had heard, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of still stand by my um, Jennifer oh, really? Lopez opinion. Yeah, like I think this movie was incredible casting. I think it had a great production value, uh, but I don't think J Lo was that incredible. I think she just was cast well. I think she can mm-hmm. do that, you know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed the production, direction, and the casting of this film, but J Lo ain't, you know, she's just she's just Jenny from the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did, did you like the movie though? I guess that's that's like oh, uh, I, despite I, everything, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the movie. I I enjoyed the movie. Okay, I I uh, uh, like I said, it's it's just it's going to be interesting because it's in in breaking down a world that. Mm-hmm. 
that you don't get to have usually have a perspective of, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did enjoy it. Absolutely. I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, I think you're right. Was even, even we'll get into this a little bit later, but the director and writer herself was like, when I wrote this movie, I was like, this is Jennifer Lopez. This is Jennifer Lopez. And like yeah. first choice to play the role. And Jennifer Lopez plays the role well because it, it was it was written right in her wheelhouse. You know what I mean? And she does yeah. it well. She does it well. Yeah. It, but there wasn't a lot of like stretching involved. You know? Well, um, I mean, well they, there's, they, some, there's some stretch, there's some stretching. <laughs> there's some stretching involved. <laughs> but oh, yeah. act, acting stretching. <laughs> yeah, right. Emo no, not a lot of emotional stretching. Yeah. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. Um, this movie, I think people who haven't seen it or maybe or maybe I've just maybe just heard of what it is. It, it's easy to kind of write it off as like the stripper movie. You know, yeah. it's the movie about strippers and or like a version of like, oh, this is Magic Mike, but for for men, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. men will watch this the way that women watched Magic Mike. And even people who've seen Magic Mike will tell you that that movie is not exactly what people think it is. And I think this movie is very similar in that way. It's not what you think it is just based on the subjects of the film. Right. Um, and I definitely think it's very easy for this film to feel male gazy. You know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah. It, 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 especially in the beginning, I feel like there can be a little bit of like feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, this movie is banned in several countries for, for a lot of, for that reason, huh. um, for like the little bit of the lewdness, uh, especially in the beginning parts of the movie. Uh, where there's yeah. a little bit of a skin, let's just say there's a lot of skin being shown in the early parts of the movie. Um, so it's definitely it hits a button in that way, but the movie is very smart with when it does it, how it does it, and it doesn't linger on those things as much. You know what I mean? It kind of so a lot of that stuff is happening kind of more in the background than it is like in the foreground, other yeah. than in very select moments, which I think is very, very clever. Yeah. So I had never seen this movie before this, but I, it was on my list of movies to watch. Um, and I ended up really, really liking it. And I think the reason why I like that we're doing it for the podcast today before we move on is the reason that you kind of were like, oh, man, I don't – I've never wanted to watch this movie because of because it's just a Jennifer Lopez movie, right? And I think right. a lot of performers get that like <clears> – get that – stigma to them that that stank on them you know sometimes yeah, based on the yeah. projects they do and it makes people write them off and i think yeah. another artist i can think of or another artist or uh, uh, an actor i can think of is adam sandler um yeah definitely Adam sandler has that that stank on him i love adam sandler and i'll always give his stuff a chance whether it's good or bad most a lot of it a lot of it is bad but a lot of it is also good especially his older stuff but I mean, he just had a movie come out on Netflix recently, which oddly enough is called Hustle. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's really, really good. It's a really good movie. And is he it does a comedy it, or is it? It's like a it's like a, a sports drama. It, I mean, it has comedic moments. It's Adam Sandler, but it's like it's about, you know, Adam Sandler loves basketball. So he's playing a, a NBA scout um, who uh, is like a um, – trying to find the next big player from the NBA. He finds this unknown kid in Spain and like basically like hangs his whole like life and career on like getting this kid into the NBA basically. Um, it's, cool. and it's really, I mean, the basketball is really great. It's like, it's, it's a sports 
movie. So yeah. if you love sports movies and like the like triumph and the hard work and you know the hustle, it's really I good. Feel, I feel like Adam Adam Sandler's kind of got the stank off of him when it comes to drama. Like people know drama, he can, yeah. he can act now. Like people are like, yeah, oh, this guy. Uncut Gems, Punch Drunk yeah. Love, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. He but, can act, I mean, yeah, for sure. But if it's like an Adam Sandler comedy, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be dated. You know? Well, you know what it is? It's it's when something comes out of his production company. Yeah. When it comes out of Happy yeah. Madison, people are wary. Because like Uncut Gems didn't come out of Happy Madison and Punch Drunk yeah. Love didn't come out of Happy Madison. But Hustle did. Hustle did come out of Happy oh, Madison. Cool. He did produce this. This is one of those Netflix movies that he, yeah. you know, they paid, gave him that big contract for. This is one of those. So like I, the other ones that came out of that were like Sandy Wexler and Hubie Hollow. No, yeah. Don't be hating on Hubie. Hubie's hilarious. <laughs> Hubie, Hubie Halloween was exactly what the world needed when it came out. It was the height of the pandemic. Halloween, it was it was perfect. It was it was just pure sentimental, like Adam Sandler, stupid. You know, it was such a good okay, escape. Seth. You know what? When Halloween comes around, why don't you put make that your pick? I might. I might. Hubie Halloween. We'll see what we can glean from that. But let's get back on track here. We, we've we kind of set the stage for how we feel a little bit, some of our feelings about the movie itself. Uh, let's start getting into how this film got made, how it came to be, and eventually uh, what we feel it is about. So this is how this film came to be. It was written and directed by Lorraine Scafaria. Uh, Lauren Scafaria also written, wrote and directed Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is the Steve Carell, uh, um, Kira Knightley movie. And she also wrote and directed The Meddler, uh, which is a Rose Byrne and Susan Sarandon film. She wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which I love that movie. I love that movie. But she also wrote uh, an episode of Children's Hospital and Ben and Kate. And she's also directed for New Girl and Succession. That's kind of a pretty hmm. nice little resume there. Succession. Um, yeah, she directed an episode of Succession, which is pretty cool. Um, and she, this uh, whole film is based on, again, an article from New York Magazine that was written by Jessica Pressler. Jessica Pressler also wrote articles that would later become uh, the adaptation for the Netflix series Inventing Anna about Anna Sorokin, uh, who uh, kind of, uh, if you know that story, is a... a a Russian woman who uh, created a false identity that she was a, a royalty of some sort uh, and uh, would con people for money and things like that. There's a Netflix series, Inventing Anna, on Netflix. Uh, if you want to see that story, that uh, story was based on another Jessica Pressler article. So Jessica Pressler doing pretty good these days with getting her stuff made mm. into movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. But here's the full story about how this film came to be. Back in December of 2015, a fresh and exciting article written by journalist Jessica Pressler was published in the newish issue of New York Magazine. The story was titled The Hustlers at Scores. It detailed the incredible true story of a group of New York City strippers turned white-collar criminals in the late aughts, compiling several interviews with many of the involved parties from perpetrators to victims to the police. Pressler laid out the entire unbelievable yet true sequence of events. The article mainly focused on the recountings of the operation by its two leaders, Samantha Barbash and Rosie Keough. The article was extremely well-received, even garnering Pressler a National Magazine Award nomination in 2016. Not long after that, in February of 2016, 
Will Ferrell's production company, Gloria Sanchez Productions, snatched up the film rights to the article and started developing what would become Hustlers. They brought on the screenwriter, actress, and singer Lorreen Scafaria to adapt the article. Growing up around the area, having job experience in working in boiler rooms and being friends with women who have stripped gave Scafaria a deep familiarity with the material. Originally, the film was set to be produced by Annapurna Pictures with an eye on Martin Scorsese to direct. However, that didn't quite pan out as Scorsese passed on the film, as did many other directors, and Annapurna would end up dropping the film as well, leaving space for STX Films to scoop it up. Eventually, Scafaria who had turned down other directing gigs in hope of directing this movie, was chosen to lead the film through to production thanks to a two-minute proof-of-concept sizzle reel she submitted to the producers. Over the next couple of years, Scafaria would assemble an all-star cast, starting, of course, with Jenny from The Block herself, whom Scafaria had in mind while writing the role. Jennifer Lopez would end up spending months taking pole dancing lessons so she could perform her character's iconic routine in the film. And Lopez would also sign on as producer of the film with her production company, Norican Productions. Constance would later join, along with Kiki Palmer, Lily Reinhardt, Julia Stiles, and Cardi B, who is well known for having worked as a stripper before moving into music. And then Lizzo and Usher would also sign on for cameos soon after. With the team assembled, the film was shot, edited, and released in just a short span of six to seven months, wrapping production in early May of 2019 and hitting theaters that same September. With a budget of approximately $20.7 million, Hustlers would go on to gross $157 million worldwide, garnering a lot of praise and even receiving a little bit of Oscar buzz at the time. Indeed, a flashy movie for a flashy true story. That's how this film came to be. Mm. pretty interesting right oscar buzz really interesting mm -hmm. so like uh like you were saying you mentioned the things that you talked about were production yeah. design the like production design and costuming specifically was definitely um some stuff that people were talking about some people were were trying to push for director for loreen Escafaria. Uh, yeah. Um, some people were trying to tote uh lopez but i i kind of agree with you where it was just yeah. lopez was being lopez although put in the perfect environment you know what i mean yeah. Um, but yeah, like this film was at the time, I do remember some people were really hoping it would get a nomination. It didn't end up getting any, but it I could easily see it could have, you know what I mean? Like specifically for production design, specifically for like costumes. Yeah. And things like that. I know like specifically Jennifer Lopez's like silver, uh, like one that she was wearing during that like first introduction scene to her. That was completely yeah. custom made for her specifically. Um, and made so that she could do that whole dance comfortably. Um, wow. So, like, costume design-wise, I don't think it's far out of the question to have gotten uh, yeah. a nomination there. But, again, it, crazy that this film, like, the article came out in 2015. The uh, Gary Sanchez Productions got their film rights in February, so, like, less than two full months later. Um, and then they had a writer on it, developing it. It went into production and six to seven months later it's in theaters like that's yeah that's fast um and that's including like all like the like martin scorsese like yeah you know, they wanted martin scorsese to direct this and he was like no <laughs> that sounds like this lady that wrote these articles knows the business pretty well sounds like she's a hustler you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like sound it sounds like she knows how it works she knew this would be a great vehicle for a movie and she made it she made sure it made it happen she made it happen. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jessica Pressler is a, is a very successful journalist for, for New York Magazine. I believe she's like head editor at this point or something like that. Uh, I have to double check, but you know, she she knows her stuff. But she, she's gotten. She even says in her, I read through her actual article. In the article, she says, you know, she's from the area, so she feels like she she knows these people, and she's familiar with these people, and and uh, feels a an empathy for the true women in the story. Um, yeah. So she, she, I mean, I feel like she'd maybe just be the perfect person to write that article. Um, and uh, same well, with same like, with Anna. Seems like she's connected high up in the New York world, as you know, I mean, New York, Mag- you know, New York Magazine. At least yeah. a very high up writer at that point, at this point. So yeah, she's well established. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so from from true story to article to film in a span of four years, like the yeah. article came out and then the movie's out four years later. That's that's super. That's fast. quick. That's yeah, somebody, that's quick. That's, there's got to be somebody whipping that. Is what I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe somebody oh. somebody whipping that. You know, to make sure that that's happening. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. her, but like, I think it was or, probably more of uh, of Will Ferrell's production company. Yeah, um, that you I mean they scooped up those film rights quick, two months, yeah. like to get those rights. They they got it fast. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure they're like, we need, you know, this is topical. This is now. You know, this is very much in the now. Yeah. We got to get this movie out right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, uh, it and, turned out, in my opinion, pretty good. Well, and the production, like the way it's shot, the way it looks and stuff, it's interesting that you said succession. Like, I don't know, this movie feels like very much the way it looks, how metropolitan things are shot now. You know, like I think like John Wick, I think like like all like anything that's shot in a city feels like this movie or like the, this movie like set the tone for it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I see. When was the first season of Succession? Was it 2019? It was before the pandemic. Yeah, I think so. Like right before. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're right. And and not to mention, I think there are similar themes here about like, you know, white collar crime. You know, the the behavior yeah. of like the the New York Wall Street. Um, yeah materialism capitalism like a lot of that stuff is also inherent in this food movie that's also in, in succession the way these like people treat and behave others and exploit people you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um but uh so let's for anybody out there listening who hasn't seen hustlers in a while it's been three years since it came out uh, or has never seen it um just so you're like you know we are gonna probably be spoiling it um Although it's based on a true story, so you might already kind of know how this is going to go. But uh, we will be spoiling it. Uh, and if you don't remember, this is what the movie is. This is what it is. This is the plot summary. Destiny, a young woman with a tough upbringing working as a stripper, struggles to make ends meet until experienced dancer Ramona takes her under her wing. Under Ramona's tutelage, Destiny would prosper as the two of them form a lucrative criminal operation, swindling millions of dollars from New York's elite men. That is what it is. That's what it is. It's time to ask the question. Hustlers, what's it about? 
Oh, all right. So I think it's about power. Mm-hmm. I think it's about uh egg power. Power. Um that's a Kanye West song. All that power. Yeah, it's about it's about the power you have and whether or not you're willing to use it and and whether or not you take into it's it, it, you take into social mores or morality to evoke your power you know mm-hmm. um and this movie's specifically exploring feminine power the power of feminine femininity and what that looks mm-hmm. like and how it might not look like what you think it looks like. Um, it could actually be very, very ma- masculine in ways. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's about what you will do to get what you want mm-hmm. and whether or not you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally. It's so funny. It's it's we. I think me and you came to pretty much almost the exact same conclusion, but just using a different term per se. Because yeah. um, for me, I, I said control, right? Yeah. Which in a way is a, a power, the power to control, right? Yeah. To to have to have control over your life, right? Um, I totally agree with you. It is is about gaining control of your life and what you're going to do to do it, right? Yeah. That's, I totally agree. And we we see that. Well, it's funny. Is the movie starts off with a, a little musical intro from Janet Jackson's 1986 song, Control. And the yeah. intro of that song, quote, word for word, is this is a story about control, my control, Control of what I say and control of what I do. And this time I'm gonna do it my way. I, I wrote it, down I wrote down control as well. Um, mm-hmm. the only reason I choose power as my rhetoric is because I think it's a reflexive argument about Wall Street. So mm-hmm. so it's like, yes, we're talking about strippers here and strippers using their power to gain control over their life but it's also a reflection of what men on wall street do mm. to exploit power. Right. I know. I totally agree. For me, I, there's a reason, the reason I, I pick control as opposed to power. Cause I totally get it. I even wrote down uh, like under my like sub themes, I wrote down autonomy, gender politics, working class exploitation, materialism, capitalism, uh, and under gender politics, I also wrote sexism, sex work, power dynamics. Yeah. Like I, so I totally, it's there. I totally in there. The reason why I picked control as like my like operative word is because watching this movie, you're, you're watching. Yeah. You're watching who has the power in the situation, but less so the power you're watching who's in control. Right. Yeah. And what's cool is who you think is in control. And they use the word control a lot in this movie. Who you think is in control is not who's in control. For example, um, Constance Wu's character, Destiny, 
mentions that Ramona is always in always was in control. And when you yeah. watch the movie, it's you kind of question that a little bit, especially as I watched it the second time. I think Destiny is secretly in control this this whole time, and like other characters lose control, you know, are out of control. Yeah, even the Wall Street guys are out of control. Yeah, you know, I know. And one so of them, for by me, the way. you know, one of the Wall Street guys. Yeah, I forget his name, but it's the main. Oh, one. the actor. Yeah, it's the main one that like he like face plants into the, the glass. Oh, you know him? Yeah, I know him. I know him. I went to college with him. Uh, that's I funny. I forget. I'm, I mean, it's going to drive me crazy. I, I got to remember his name, but I'll, I'll, I will find it. And at some point I will, I will shout him out, but yeah, he's okay. Yeah. That's definitely, he dated one of my best friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Rebe- Very Rebecca cool. Hayden's ex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the sleazeball. He's the sleazeball in the club. But, okay. Rebecca, your ex is a sleaze in the movie. Let me in the movie. let me be clear. In the movie. We don't want a defamation suit here. In the movie. He does a good job. Uh, he does a Yeah. All these guys do a good job. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, of of toeing the line here. Um and being jerks. So yeah, for me, it's it's this movie. As I was watching it again, I'm I'm I was really paying attention to who's actually pulling the strings. And while like Ramona is like the charisma, she's like the the like the beautiful thing to look at. That's like feels like it's it's magnetic a little bit. You throughout the whole time, who's who's truly got shit together? It's yeah. Destiny. You know, Destiny's the one that takes like Ramona's little idea and turns it into a more lucrative controlled operation and she's the one that's trying to keep things in order and once once destiny loses control to ramona where ramona starts doing things and destiny can't rein her in ramona's decisions is what ultimately brings them down you know when destiny loses control loses control of the operation is when things go bad yeah i mean you know ramona's definitely has definitely has some spending Poor spending habits. I mean, let's be yeah. She, like in the in the article, uh, uh, the uh, real life <laughs> counterpart to, to Destiny, uh, Rosie uh, Keo, um, has a really funny quote where she's talking about like w- later in that operation when they're bringing the prostitutes and the and the drug addicts and the form and the the criminal you know, people with criminal records that she didn't want in there because they were untrustworthy. Yeah, and they you know they couldn't she couldn't handle them. Uh, she was like, they were. She called them very short-sighted, and she said, "Like, man, these girls just wanted a, a fifty thousand dollar tree. When I'm looking at the entire forest, you know, yeah, they're just yeah. looking at the, the the thing where I'm looking at this big picture here. They're just they're here, and remote, you know, she kind of looped Ramona in that where Ramona was was here, even though Ramona had, or or you know, we realized Samantha Barbash had bigger aspirations. She really did want to." Make a clothe uh, a swimsuit line. She really did want to do all these other things. Yeah. She was just she would get very distracted by the things in front of her and just was not good at actually like planning out that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they definitely yeah. didn't live the best. They didn't make good choices with their money because that's why they would always need more. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like like it's like how how many times do you have to do this? You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I think there's a, there's a 
Because you're right. Like, if it was just about the money, which a lot of the characters make it seem like it's just about the money, it's not. Because if it's just about the money, you they could do it maybe a couple of times and, and get out pretty well. Yeah. If they were smart about it. And in even, like I said, in the article, Rosie Keo was like, I would tell myself, okay, after 50000 I'm out. And then she's like, and then we get that 50000 I was like, okay, that was really easy. Okay, after 100000 200000 And it just keeps going up, right? Because like you yeah. can get more. And so, but at a certain point, it's not about the money. Because she's like, they're living good. They don't, you know, they don't really need or want for much, you know? Yeah. It's about it, evoking it, power. It's a yes. They're getting they're getting off on on taking control away from these guys that are thinking that they're exploiting them. You know that they're the ones that are getting getting the the thing that they want out of it. When truthfully, someone else is getting more of what they want. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I I love uh, there's a a part of this movie that for me that really digs in this idea of control and it's when they get to so originally you know and 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 destiny says this like originally her and ramona were just kind of like partners in a way that they just kind of like work together uh, it's it's a very normal for women in strip clubs to like team up and like work in groups it, you yeah. know they tend to get more tips and they tend to you know be safer so it's very common for them to like team up and work together it's a uh, it's something that they do a lot so it's like, hey, we were on, we were completely legit. We were on the up and up. We were just like working together in the club to help each other make more money. Uh, and so at first things are fine. You know, it's like, okay, we're just working. We're just getting money. And then the big thing that happens is the 2008 recession hits. Yeah. And obviously Wall Street got hit really hard with the 2008 recession, which then caused everything around it, all the subcultures around Wall Street to suffer, including the many, many, many strip clubs that they would frequent that they no longer were. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, 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 the club scene in that area was dying in 2008. Yeah. Um, and so it created a necessity to, cause now they're not making good, you know, they were making really good money, uh, really good money just by dancing, you know, just by stripping. Yeah. They were making, a really good living they said uh um they said i think uh destiny said i made more than a brain surgeon would you know like yeah. in the year like that's a lot of money brain surgeons yeah. make good money so if she's making more than that like you're comfortable like you live life good at that point especially because at that point she didn't have her daughter it was just her and her grandma like her her overhead was low you know right uh, um so it was when the Wall Street lost control, you know, they no longer – they had control taken away from them when the bubble burst in 2008, you know? Yeah. And when they, when they lost control of things, there was a moment where these two women could take the reins and, and necessitated the need to do so. Yeah. Um, to survive, yeah, which I think is a great pair. I mean, it's what's crazy is this is true, you know. But as far as like a, a a really good structured story, like what a great parallel that is thematically of like 
These guys are coming into this club thinking they have control. These women know how to exploit the fact that these guys think they have control. There's this power dynamic going on. But then this recession happens and all control is lost on one side. And so this other side comes in and just completely takes over. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. It's a really cool power dynamic shift there. It's, um, it's the history of men and women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I have a question for you. Uh, and I want yeah. to see what you think about this, about the movie. Um, so there's that moment where, again, we first see Ramona dance and everybody's just transfixed by her, including Rosie. Not Rosie, sorry, including Destiny. I'm getting all of my characters picked up now. Uh, including Destiny, sees her. And then she goes up on the roof to smoke and Ramona's up there. Um, I want to ask you, do you think that Destiny came up there specifically knowing that Ramona was there? Did she come up with pur- purposefully without her jacket? So she get you know, because she planned that. Yeah. Did she orchestrate? Probably. That? Do you think she 100% came up there and orchestrated that com- and completely? Probably, yeah. Think so? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, I hadn't thought about it like that until you said it, but like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, and I think, I think Ramona, though, though Destiny's new and needs like help, like Ramona knows that gl- gl- glomming onto this young stripper is going to help her way more, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, yeah, I think Ramona has things she can teach her, you know, but mm-hmm. she was going to learn that stuff anyway, you know, like she's, mm-hmm. she's like, like just, she just needs time. And so I think, Ramona, Ramona's getting the good end of the deal in this ex, in this power exchange. You think Ramona is not Destiny? Ramona's getting the good end of the deal. Like really? Destiny, Destiny, Destiny is yes. Right now, Destiny needs help. Right, like she's mm-hmm. not. She doesn't have friends. She's whatever. But it's like what her first week, you know? Something like that. yeah, like it's like her first week. Like, but she's a young, like 20, 20 year old stripper who is like going to figure it out. Like she'll figure it out. But Ramona knows that, okay, I can mentor this girl and then I can bring her with me everywhere who I was, is, is in the stripper world ancient, you know? Mm-hmm. So like she, like it's, it's a way better deal for Ramona than it is for for destiny i think i totally get what you're saying and i would say if we didn't know what happens next i would say yes i agree with you i think and this is this is why i think this is so interesting to watch this movie a second time knowing what happens and watching specifically destiny a little bit closer because if you watch that scene destiny is like cool as a cucumber she's you know she she comes over she's like she walks out she looks right out she's like you got a light she's like right away it doesn't like there's no like oh i'm surprised you're here or you know whatever she walks right over to her and she's like oh i left my jacket you know where's your jacket i left it downstairs and then she she's playing ramona like a fiddle 
you know that even she's in there and even when she's like she's like oh like you're so good like i suck and she you know and then she says maybe like i can teach you some things you can see just this look in her eye of like uh-huh like, like that's exactly what i was angling for well and it she i feel plays like you're, her, just, you're you're reinforcing my argument you're you're reinforcing no, what, I'm, what i'm saying is the when you look at then the way that destiny manipulates ramona like sure in the sh- again in the short term i think ramona gets the better deal cuz they in yeah. that little moment of their lives they they ramona's probably profiting a little bit better than destiny would be um kind of i mean destiny's making a lot more money than she would have immediately you know what i mean you're like, you're like yeah. over time she probably would have gotten there but she's making it now you know what i mean yeah. which is important and then it forms a relationship between them, which allows her to then take start start manipulating and using Ramona specifically. You know what I mean? But but it's Especially all for later on. But in Ramona's like this is okay. So this is, I guess, what I'm saying is for Ramona, in her head, it's all it's all gravy. You know, like it's not like even if she is being manipulated, like it's. She she is taking the short side. She take her personality is taking the short sided way, right? Like I think this is. I think what you're missing is the the character and who the character actually is. Yes, I think I think Ramona might be using using Destiny like has that thought, but from what we see from Ramona in this film, she's less she less thinks about things that way. She sacrifices potential earnings because she's like this like mom. She's a mom. You know what I mean? She like she like has she cares for these women. She wants to take care of them. And she, you know, what we see that later with like the the prostitutes and the other girls that she's trying to like rescue. You know what I mean? Like yeah. her her little like mom her little baby chicks. She's, mo- she's mama bear. She's the mama bear. She's mama yes, exactly. So like for me, I think Ramona's not thinking about profiting off of Destiny. I think she really is just wanting to help this girl. And like, sure, like making a little extra money on top of that might be nice, but I don't think that's where her mind is. I think, I think she just is I think it can person. be I think it can be both. It can like, be both. It can like, be both. I'll, I'll, I'll like I'll be your mama bear. I'll play that role. Like I'm mm-hmm. that I have she has those intuitions anyway. But mm-hmm. it I mean it definitely benefits her to have destiny at her side. Oh, for sure. I, I don't, I don't dispute, I don't dispute that, but I just don't think, I think her first character motivation is she wants to take care of, of people. She wants to take care, especially young women. Cause she has a daughter. You see, no. even you know, like she has all the other girls that she, I, I, that she I disagree. Look. I disagree. I disagree with oh, that. Man. I don't like, I think that's, I think, I think that's, 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 the, I think that's the fundamental part of the character. No, no. The fundamental part yeah. of the character is she wants money. She wants money. That is her first. I, I disagree. I get what you're saying. I disagree with that. I know she has that line of like, doesn't money make you horny? Like she's like very much into the money. I get it. And she is even the way she lives her life, even the way and she like, okay. Okay. No, absolutely not. Because if she if she were what you're inciting, she would stop and take care of her daughter herself. Like that's like the biggest. How do you take care of your daughter doing. without paying the bills? If you have a million dollars, you don't have to be a stripper anymore. You don't have Not to do for it for a while. 
nah, bro, no. If she, it, like, she wants money. She wants to live that lifestyle. That's her first motivation. And then she plays the role of a mama bear. She knows that she has that in her, but that's not her primary motivation. Money is definitely her primary motivation. I think there is, for me, the character at her core does want to take care of people. She wants it. She, you know, she even talks about like, I want my daughter to be able to live exactly the life that she wants. Anything she wants, she gets. And like, that's, that's what's motivating her to get money. But money is an addiction in a way. Like, like they talk, they talk a little bit about it. It's, it's once you have money, you are addicted to that lifestyle. You have to have more. You have to, you they have to, it's, it's an addiction. I would say it's less of a, of a, an emotional need and more of an addiction that she needs to keep getting more money and she wants more stuff. But, but all of her character actions and to her, again, to her own detriment, if she just wanted money, if money was the sole motivation, she would not be getting all these like women and bringing them into this business. That's going to make them make less money, run their clients away. You know, it, it, I, I, it, I understand it's, it's her logical, the, her, her logical thinking of how I can get more money is like way overweighed by the fact that she's wants to take care of herself first, and then she wants to take care of the people that's, around her. Second, that's the duality of her character. That's yes. her character. That's her duality, and I would say where she's at at this point in her life, or the section we're seeing, the money part's winning. You know, mm -hmm. but she, her identity, who she thinks she is, is this mama bear character. You know, mm -hmm. so she she has I'm sure she has cognitive dissonance about how she's supposed to move through the world because it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be taking care of my kid. I'm supposed to be taking care of my girls. But at the same time, uh, I really, really want a Hummer, you know, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like you got to give Hummers to get Hummers, baby. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, just, uh, I wish you all could see my face right now. <laughs> I wish uh, you all could uh, see face. <laughs> I do not approve of that joke. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. So, so what I mean, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I guess we need to like start transitioning to like because we're just arguing about the movie right now, but the, there's a reason I have this argument. And I'll say, uh, I think this is laying the, laying the groundwork for our, for our, some of our personal feelings about this. Yeah. Movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah. about the characters is like a way of us like being like, okay, presenting our emotions. So it's fine. But I agree. We, I mean, we're good on time right now, but what, let's uh, go ahead and transition if you would like. Yeah. So the reason I have such strong opinions about this, I guess, um, I, first of all, I'm fascinated by strippers. Like, not in like a, like, oh yeah, strippers are hot way, but like by their lifestyle, by uh, the culture, by, they're essentially service people. Like, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a waiter. Uh, it is, it is the service industry with less boundaries. That's, that's mm -hmm. all, that's all it is. Um mm -hmm. And so I really relate to them in some ways. You know, I don't think I've, I have had nearly the extreme experiences, but like a good example, 
uh, literally my last shift, um, I had this four top come in and the woman who was in the four top, one of, she was like probably in her late forties, early fifties, uh, started hitting on me relentlessly, like to the point of saying that they had a California King back at their house. If I was interested, right. She gave me her credit. She gave me her credit card, uh, and was like, run up the bill. She was like, I, I'm paying run up the bill as high, like get it, jack it up there. So they kept buying bottles of champagne. Like I got their bill up to over $400. Um, and she spilt champagne. I had to clean it up and she's like, are you flirting with me? And I was like, this is just what you call really good service. Yeah, it was, it was creepy. They were definitely like maybe swingers, you know, mm. Uh, and it was inappropriate, but I let it happen because I want money. Um, and they only tipped 10% on a 400 something dollar bill. After After, all of that, after, after sexually harassing me for two hours, they only tipped 10%, which is like garbage, right? Okay. So there's that element. So I really, really relate to that industry somewhat. Um, and also I was raised by a bunch of women. So I was raised by, um, I am, I, I, I used to stay at my grandmother's house and she had, uh, eight, eight or seven daughters and two sons and the sons were never around. So like I had all of these aunts, that were just like constantly in and out of the house. So like I have been endowed with all of this like feminine, like they influenced me a whole lot because that's who I was around for the first like seven, eight years of my life. We're just like these middle-aged women. And I learned a lot about, feminine energy and power and dynamics, I guess, really young. And so like, I relate to this, the type of family that was created in this movie amongst Mm -hmm. these women and how they treat each other and what they want, like what they want from each other and how they like definitely like definitely Ramona reminds me of my aunt Kathy who just wants to take care of everybody, but Mm. doesn't change the fact that like she still is a human being and selfish, you know? Mm. So personal motivations get in the way. So I guess what I'm saying is (sighs) there is, they have, they do have a lot of power. These Mm -hmm. women do have a lot of power. And, and they know how to use it, which is what Mm -hmm. they do, you know? Um, And so I don't think it's, I I guess when we're talking about Ramona, I don't think it's as innocent as you're making it out to be. Uh, I don't, I don't, like, I don't think though, though it's like, seems justified, it's still, power corrupts and they are corrupted 
and they have a lot of power. Like, mm-hmm. like men don't. Okay, let's think about this. Okay, who are usually the the people who make moves in relationships in real life? Usually. I mean, in in relationships, as in like romantic relationships. Yes, yes. I, w- I mean, I don't want to make a generalization. Um, right. I can I can only speak from my experience. Yes. Um, and it's usually the woman makes the decisions. As far as like for me, for me, and as far as makes the moves. Honestly, but yeah. We but we can for you, but we can say that society would say that men usually make the moves. Well, well, I think there's a conception of like. It's up to the man to like, to to make the mo- make the first move, right? To initiate, and like, right? To initiate, yeah. And that's a that's a, a, I would say a very narrow way of looking at things, but it's definitely how like it things portrayed that the guy is supposed to make the first move. I'm not saying I'm not saying that things aren't changing. I'm not saying that women aren't capable, but historically, traditionally, traditionally, men are expected to make the first move. Mm-hmm. So being put into an environment where men for like men aren't used to ha- having women be the aggressor, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not something that they're used to. So well, to that effect, I think that that's why you get some, of the particular behaviors that you get in a lot of these strip clubs, right? Yeah. Because you're right. It, as soon as you walk in there, w- these women, not that they want to dance, but they need, they need to, to dance to make the money. Right. So they do come yeah. up to you and we see this moment of like, Hey, who wants me, who wants me to give them a dance? Like they do come up to you and like ask you if you want them to dance because they, they want, so there is an, an, an you're like an aggressor type type thing to it. Um, and I think then in response, a lot of men then like start to try and take the control back by certain behaviors, right? Yeah. Pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits, ex- trying to get more exploitative that yeah. as much as they can to take that power back, to make them feel like they are the ones in control when truly you're like, you're right. Like that woman in that moment has a lot of control. She can just, what well, I mean, she, I guess there's an argument to be made that she can't just get up and leave. You know what I mean? Like this, you know, like the financial pressures and things like that, yeah. like are 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 forcing her to do it. There's, like I said, but there's an argument to be made about how much control they have in that situation. I don't yeah. want to make it seem like they, you know, it's it's complicated. It is super complicated. It's super complicated. It's super complicated. I'm not saying it's not complicated. Like, I'm just saying that I enjoy the reflexive nature of this film in comparison mm-hmm. to wall street. Okay. Even the way mm-hmm. that they don't really get punished at the end, you know, no, like yeah, a couple, some years of probation and like weekends in jail and like, that's it. Yeah. You know? So like what I'm saying is like, they are very powerful. These women are very powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point that they're not even getting in trouble and they're getting away with crazy, crazy stuff, stealing and create, crazy, crazy amounts of money. It's just, they invoke their power in a different way. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's a, it's, it's like that, um, 
yeah, it's like that Beyonce song, man. Uh, who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. And it's it, like there's a line in that song about talking about the power of persuasion uh, mm-hmm. and the power of feminine persuasion. And like, mm-hmm. that's it, man. Like, like in that environment, especially it's, I mean, you, if you go into a strip club, you're giving away all your control. Mm-hmm. Well, and, so yeah, yes, I tell you what gave me. And like I said, I think guy, men, or really anybody, honestly, can feel that. Can feel yeah. like like you are almost submissive in a lot of ways, right? To when you walk into a club, you are now submitting to what's going on here, right? This transactional yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, like I said, I think that leads to then a reflexive trying to grab onto the reins and take control and some of the gross and heinous stuff that people try to do in that environment because they. Men aren't used to being men aren't used to being submissive, right? So right, that's, and and some of the heinous stuff they talk about these men doing is horrible because they're not used to to feeling like literally you're just sitting there and this person is just doing so, you know what I mean? Like there is an idea of yeah. like oh I'm I'm in control here, but really you're you're not, and you right. could I think subconsciously people know that. So I've only been to a strip club a couple of times, both times with you. Hey, hey, mom's not listening to this one. <laughs> not, <laughs> not letting mom listen to this one. <laughs> yep. She doesn't know. Uh, I mean, I'm not told her that I've been to a strip club. But oh, boy. Yeah, How yeah, could she yeah. not know the way you live your life? Hey, what, what do you th- who do you think I am? Like, I'm not that crazy. You no, know? no, no. But you, 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 one of the things I love about you, and it's something we've talked about on this podcast, is you – or about experiencing life, you know, yes. like going for things for the experience, maybe pushing boundaries a little bit for the story, for, you know, for just the excitement of doing the thing. And yeah. I think that naturally would gravitate you to strip clubs, right? You know what I mean? Especially as an adult. Uh, they definitely, fair, I mean, they're, they're adventurous for sure. You feel, it, it feels adventurous. And like, I mean, you can get porn on your phone, right? Like, yeah, to be honest. That's not what you go there for. What I'm fascinated by with strip clubs is the social dynamics. I'm a fa- I'm fascinated by this power exchange. I'm fascinated by um, the people people's behavior in strip clubs, like mm-hmm. and the type of people that are there, you know, and mm-hmm. and it, so like that's that's what I think is interesting. Um, Only been to a strip club a couple of times at most, uh, both times with you. Uh, I mean, I think I've talked to my parents about this. They don't really care. Um, but uh, do you remember what happened that one time we went? It was after we left the comedy club. We walked. We walked to the strip yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember this time. I don't remember the first time. Okay, it was very yeah. similar. We kind of just popped in and popped out. It was. It was yeah. like it was because the strip clubs open later, so like we were able to like leave like the comedy club and get like a drink at the strip club, and like yeah. there wasn't a lot going on, so we didn't stay there very long. But then there was a, that second time that year. It's probably thinking of. Uh, so what do what do you remember? I remember there was one girl that like came and talked to us Mm -hmm. for a really long time, but like enjoyed talking to you specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like really enjoyed hanging out with us. That's what I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what it might've felt like. And so like, that's what I was getting at is like, we see this moment 
of like of Destiny walking through the strip club and she's like smiling and she's like, You wanna dance and like that that kind of thing. Right. And like there's that moment where a guy says like, Oh no thanks and like you see the cringe on her face of like that moment of like this guy does not want me a beautiful woman to like to like grind on him and like he said no <laughs> you know like you see that like weird like cringe on your face like that's uncomfortable like am i that bad yeah, at my yeah, job yeah. and like that's honestly and like for a moment i was like oh that's me in the strip club because i don't participate yeah yeah and so i'm the guy that's in the strip club that these girls are coming up and asking if i want to dance and i'm like no <laughs> and I, like i've talked to you about this i feel bad yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. bad because that's they're at work right now and they want to make money. Right. So I feel bad that like I'm not paying them, you know, like because you can walk into a strip club and just sit there and watch and honestly not pay any a single dollar. Yeah, you know? but that's other that's than crappy. entry, other than entry, it that's, is crappy, and I feel like yeah. shit for doing that. But I also don't feel good about like participating in a way. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel exploitative when I do that kind of stuff, even though like. The social contract is I'm at work, like this is my job, like please pay me. Yeah. I'm trying to make a living. So like I do end up like, you know, I don't like I don't get the dances and but I do I will like when the dancers go up, I will give money to the dancers out of this is weird. <laughs> out of respect in a lot yeah. of ways. Like you're working, I want I want to make sure you get paid. hundred percent. I agree. I think you should. Yeah. If you if I walked in and watched if you walk and, and, in and, 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 if you're yeah. in there, you should be you should be participating in some fashion. Like, yeah, you don't have to. You know, I don't think you have to get a lap dance. You don't have to like go to the back room or whatever. Like, I've never done that. I don't want to do that. Like, it's not my mm. it's not my thing. But mm. uh, if you're gonna like watch the girls, if you're gonna be in that environment, you at least need to be participating in their culture mm -hmm. by giving by giving them money. Right. So, so again, we're in there, um, not very long, maybe like an hour or so. Like we watched a couple of dancers and yeah, we, you know, a couple of, of, of women came over and like asked if we wanted dances and we said no. And then this, you're right. This one, this one uh, dancer came over, asked if I wanted to dance and I said no. And she's like, well, it, it wasn't a lot going on at that time. There weren't a lot of people in there. We were like one of the yeah, only ones. I so she's just like, okay, I'll just sit, like sit down and like chat with you guys. Um, and she was very nice, uh, but it reminded me in this movie of that moment where she's like, where Destiny's like working on her, her, her schoolwork, and she's yeah. like writing. And the guy's like, "You have beautiful penmanship," and they get like to talking, and it yeah. does seem like very just like nice and stuff. But like, she's taking advantage of him, right? Like yeah. she ends up like getting him to buy her a computer, and like, and like this is based off of a real one of Rosie's real marks, who thought that he was in a relationship with her and was prepared to leave his wife for her. Yeah. Until she until she got pregnant and left uh, and told him that she moved to Arizona. And then his, then his other wife, you know, stayed with his other wife. Um, but so like, this is real. And at a certain point I was like, is that, was that me? Was I just this guy like that? She was like trying to like I chat up. This. this is exactly I how. Did, I, I mean, I did tip her at the end. I was like, thank you for like chatting. Like I'd want to make sure you get paid. So I like gave her some money at the end and that felt like weird, but also like it felt like the, like the, so yeah. again, the social contract, like thanks for talking to me and like being pretty around me. Here's money. That here. So, um, 
I didn't misremember this. This is exactly no. This is no, exactly it, what happened. You, you, yeah. Yeah, but your perspective, I think, I think it can be both again. Like, so, so I think what was happening in that situation with us was we were safe. Like, we, I mean, you and I are are very attuned to feminine energy. Mm-hmm. I would say we are very sensitive men, and we were emotional beings. So, and women are usually that way and they pick up on that, you know? And I think though you didn't want to dance and it was slow in there. And this, this girl was like, I remember she was like 19 or 20. Like she was Mm -hmm. like very young and like you were safe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she might not be like, she might not be getting a huge tip. She might get some money. But at least, like, she's around a man that is not going to, like, treat her like garbage. Or maybe she needed a break. You know what I mean? Like, and so, like, I think she did enjoy being around you a lot. But you did, and and you gave her money, which is what she needed. But, like, I don't, I think it, this is, I'm trying, honestly, dude, this is something I'm very, like, I'm fascinated in, in general. I'm trying to, like, I'm been thinking about a lot of this for some way to do it in comedy. I don't know, but like there is a power, like there, no matter what, there's always a power exchange in sexual relationships. Like Mm. it's inevitable Um, because they have a thing you want and giving it to you is valuable, you know? So like, so she, made you feel like she made you feel good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there is a value in that. Like, Mm -hmm. so, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think, honestly, I think this is something about strip clubs that needs to be, needs to be changed. A stigma that is like unfortunate Mm -hmm. about strip clubs. And it's that men need to feel wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, Men need to be the ones that feel desired, right? Mm. And the way that traditional relationships work, uh, if you're, if you're a straight man is that you are the one that has to be the one to initiate. You're the one that has to be, uh, the aggressor, like you have to be the dominant. And Mm. I think strip clubs provide a place as long as you're not, you're like, you know, you follow the rules, like, and you, you don't like, like, like the way that the way that men behave in strip clubs that are assholes are not, are not, are not doing, are not following the rules. They're not doing what's intended. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to go in here and you're going to feel wanted. You're going to go in here and you're going to feel desired. It may not be real, but at least you're getting, getting it somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, it's like, I, I think, I think that, I think that's totally okay for a man to mm-hmm. want to feel desired by a woman. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not easy for a lot of men, you know, like, like, especially if you're not, if you don't got much going for you in that department, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like, never get to feel that way. That sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's, 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 
it's intoxicating in that way. We're like, I agree. I agree. Like, I, I think I'm a person that like, I tend to, to definitely feel lonely in that way. You know, it, yeah. I don't have a lot of stuff going on that way. And that's because I'm very sensitive. I'm very shy in the, in that arena. Like, it's very rare for me to be, like you said, be an aggressor in that way. But you're also very picky. I will say that you're very picky. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say picky. I would say I get fixated. Yeah. Like there's there's a short period of time in between my last crush and my next crush where it could be anybody. Honestly, it could be anyone. But once it's once that crush is there, it's there for a long time. I'll yeah. say that. And you, it's, you fall, it takes you, a long time to move on from that. Yeah, you get feelings, and then you're only going to have feelings. You're not going to have anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't say I'm picky, but I will say I get – I'm monogamous without actually being in a relationship, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, like I, my feelings become monogamous. Like I only will have feelings for one person at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's weird in that way. Even though I'm not in a relationship with that person. Like once I have a crush on somebody, it's like nobody else, nobody else. It's just this one person. Uh, but what I was saying is like going into a strip club or to any time like when like maybe somebody is showing aggression or not aggression per se, but uh, directing that stuff at me, it makes me uncomfortable. Right. It feels good. Don't get me wrong. Like I – but. But the reason it makes me uncomfortable is because it's so easy to to get a to want that all the time, right? To like seek that that out in a but way, you, you know. It's easy to want to get to be addicted by that feeling, and I think that's why this movie has like when they talk about these tears of men. Some you know, like some men are like they have all that control in that in that back room, like they can do whatever they want, honestly. And then it's like the middle tier man that kind of those jerks, and then there's those like lower level guys. That she says, like, we'll pay for your rent and we'll pay for you this. Yeah. And those are those are like nicer guys that aren't gonna like that are safe, right? Yeah. Like that are that are looking for validation, are looking just to feel feel good, and will shell out a lot of money to get that feeling because yeah. it's 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 so addicting to feel that way. And I, the reason why going to those strip clubs or like feeling that way makes me uncomfortable is because I can easily feel myself being a becoming addicted to that feeling you know what i mean so i like i one step separate like you know i kind of dissociate from it a a little bit so that way it's like not like i'm not fully you know relinquishing to it kind of but my argument is that you deserve to feel that way like you deserve to Mm -hmm. feel wanted and desired and like i'm not saying that you should go spend all your money in a strip club that's not what i'm saying but it may, but maybe getting that feeling can motivate you to want to seek it elsewhere. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, 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 again, again, this is toxic masculinity because you're not willing to be vulnerable in that moment. Mm-hmm. Let, your, let yourself have those feelings. And like, that's mm-hmm. what, that's what I think needs to change. I think that's what needs to be changed about strip clubs is, is it's actually very vulnerable for men to be mm-hmm. in that position because, and they have to, they've created this whole like superficial structure within the strip, strip club that makes them feel like they're being like 
powerful or, or throwing money. You know what I mean? But like, really what's happening is the man is submitting to the woman in that environment. Like, and, and I think that men should be more used to like, be okay with that. You know, it's when they're not okay with it, that pro there's problems. And so like, but that is what's happening in a strip club. And yeah. And I think men need to be more comfortable with it. Like, well, yeah, I mean, this all goes back to this idea of power and control. I mean, the, the, the impetus of the impetus of kind of what we both were feeling in this movie is who has the power, who has control in these situations. And I think what we're discovering here is that it's really, really complicated. It is. As yeah. to who has, and it's constantly shifting. And everybody's fighting for who has control at any given time. Sometimes it's it's the the workers, it's the women that have the control, but they're having to 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 pay the club to dance there. They're having to pay the guy to let them use the VIP room. They're having to tip out the 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 den mom. They're having to tip out the bartender. They're having to tip out the DJ. And so, like, while the, sometimes they have control, maybe like during their shift, as soon as that shift is over everybody pushes them back down and it's taking yeah. and exploiting what they've, what they've worked so hard for. And so it's, it's, it's so complicated. And I think the gender politics of talking about this movie are, are, are a little bit precarious. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, and, and, and we would be remiss to not, to not bring this up, especially right now having the repeal of Roe v. Wade having yeah. happened this past week. Yeah. And this idea of, women's autonomy in their own bodies and their, their control over, over themselves. Um, gender politics right now is extremely complicated. And yeah. like, while we can sit here and look as two cisgendered men, straight men, you know, uh, look at this movie and think, Oh, these women have the power in the situation. They victimized these men. You know what they, I mean? It, 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 well, they, they did. They did victimize yes, men. No, I, no, I, 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 absolutely. I'm not trying to. I'm not uh, trying to say they. But that's what's brilliant about the movie. Again, mm -hmm. this is and this is my whole my whole argument of this whole thing. It's not. It's not just about women. It's just about power. Mm -hmm. So like, right. like because Wall Street has victimized our entire country, and that's all ran by men. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. like, like what what this movie is about is how power corrupts. You know, mm -hmm. and and how and how exploitative power can so the these women start to exploit these men because they've been exploited by the men. Yeah, they stop looking at them as people and start looking at them as yeah these monsters. Right? They feel justified in doing what they do, and to this day, Samantha uh, Barbash, uh, who was like the Ramona, the real life Ramona. It's ascertains that they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. They like, no, we didn't do anything wrong. The ex the exploitative nature of the men gave them the justification to take their power. You know, and yeah. who's right and who's wrong is really complicated. But eventually this if movie, you take the more power you take, the more corrupt you will become. This movie does such a great job where like because this movie is very similar in structure and in the way the story plays out as Pain and Gain. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's an exploited lower class micro niche. Yeah. Finding a way to take con take control and take power back so that they can benefit. 
Yeah. But this movie, what this movie does a little bit better, actually, I think a lot better than Pain and Gain, is make you see the quote unquote perpetrators as people. Yeah. You know, like they make you empathize so much more with these with these women than Pain and Gain does with like Mark Wahlberg and them. Yeah. Which, um, the the quote, it, it, the quote that I but, wanted to remind us of and think really illustrates it is the game is rigged there's no rewards for those who play by the rules right Mm -hmm. so like in all regards like the asshole in the strip club the stripper who poisons the guy you know like everybody's trying to get theirs and Mm -hmm. if you if you play by the rules like you're probably not going to get ahead You're, just, you're going to get it. Those who play by the rules are going to have are going to be exploited. Those who play by the rules are the submissive ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's all power dynamics are so complicated. And like I said, we're in a time right now, specifically with gender politics, where there's a, a lack of empathy towards the other. Right? We have a group of lawmakers right now who. Are looking at things through their own lens of what they think is right and what they think is wrong, but aren't looking at the massive group of people and feeling how that's going to affect them. Like right. they're uncomfortable with something, and I understand that. It it's a complicated thing, like uh, specifically like abortion, right? It's a very complicated issue. It's probably the most complicated issue. Yeah, it's a very complicated issue. Philosophically. Philosophically. Philosophically, right. Yes. And so I get that it makes people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable just to bring it up, to to talk about it. Um, Because of, like you said, the complexity of what what we're talking about, right? And it's because it makes people uncomfortable, they just want to say that you can't do it. Right. You know? Right. And so without thinking about the dangers and the, the way it affects the people who actually have to deal with the thing, just thinking about the thing is not actually dealing with the thing, right? Right. And so they're, they're taking away control to make themselves more comfortable. Yes. And it's horrible. It's horrible. It is. Um, it's, it is one of the saddest things that's ever happened to America. Yeah. Um, and I think this movie, oddly enough, because we picked this movie before that had happened, and oddly enough, like this idea of like women's autonomy is yeah. so inherent in this film, and then that happens, um, and it kind of just goes hand in hand a little bit. And I think, and you brought it up a little bit about like in your job as a, as a server, yeah. um, you feel exploited at times if you're taken advantage of. And I think actors in general can feel that way too. Like we, you know, there's, you know, the actual term that sometimes uses prostituting yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you, so that's a term that a lot of service people and people who do stuff, you like, you do things, things that maybe you wouldn't do. You push your boundaries all in service of like making just like a little bit of, of money like you'll sell out a little bit of like your morals boundaries. What, are, what are boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> what are boundaries Ricky? exactly exactly <laughs> what are boundaries and so like honestly like 
and I feel like the well, a lot of people can understand the idea of prostituting themselves in that way, giving up their boundaries, giving up their morals because they of something that they they need. They need money. They need this. They need that. They need a, a their big break, right? Yeah. And the the quote that I want to pull from this movie before we kind of wrap everything up is uh, one of the last quotes that Ramona has, and it's like, in this world. There are people who are tossing the money and then there are people who are doing the dance, right? Either you're – and that's like you say, like about power, about control. Either you're in control or you're the one being controlled. And sometimes that shifts. That that is constantly shifting. But but at any given moment, there's someone who's tossing the money and there's someone who's doing the dance. I am – I'm going to say I don't know why I'm saying this, but when I have seen strippers, right – and like I see a beautiful stripper. I am in, I, there's something about me that envies them in this strange way. And it, I think it's like to know that everybody in the room wants you. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Maybe that's my own like stuff I need to go over with a therapist or some things. But like, like, I am envious of that, of that power. I am envious mm-hmm. of being able to walk into a room and everybody in the room is looking at you and wants you, which mm-hmm. I find, I find that fascinating, the ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I think that inherently after that, there's somebody who wants to control that thing, right? When yeah. so it's one thing that feels like it has all the power. There's always something that comes in. It's like now I want to control that thing. But that's the that nature. Happens. That's the nature of power, right? And that's why yeah. it becomes corrupt. Because yeah. what are you going to do to gain control? Mm-hmm. Are you going to? How far would you go, right? Yeah. How far will you go? And and at the end of it, do you think that you did anything wrong morally? Morally, yeah. Where what morally do you, did? Do you think you did anything wrong at that point? Or was that just the way things have to go? Well, the decide, it depends on how you decide your mor- morals, right? Like mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own code, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm really glad we watched this movie. Yeah. Again, I had never yeah. seen it before. And I think this movie is is so prevalent right now in a lot of different ways. Even a few years after it came out. Um and I really – not only did I like the movie a lot um, and really enjoyed it, um, I think it, it brought up a lot of like, questions of like, wow, like power power dynamics in any scenario are so complicated. Yeah. And like and the way that we control, the way we exert control, the way we, we try and take control. Because I know that's something in my life I have a lot of trouble with is knowing what – like I know – of course I know what I want. How much am I willing to to take the reins on that, and how much am I willing to take away from others? Yeah, is something that I struggle with. You and I both do not take control well. We allow, mm-hmm. we allow, we we're kind of like water. Like mm-hmm. we 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 just allow things. We allow people to do what they will, um, as long as you know they're not. Like we'll even let them impose on us, impose on mm-hmm. us more. But as long as they're not imposing on other people, 
that you and I have like hard lines of morality. Like, mm-hmm. like there, like once you get like we're, we're we have long, long leashes. But if you cross, like if you get to this point, you and I are like rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but but mostly, mostly we're pretty passive. You know? mm-hmm. And so I think for us, it's hard. It's hard to do that masculine dominant thing for us. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I would say that, I would say that like, yeah, that, I don't, it's not even masculine. It's just like dominance. It's hard for us to be dominant and, mm-hmm. and to be able to evoke dominance is, is its own skill, you know? Mm-hmm. so that was our uh discussion of hustlers 2019 uh thank you all so much for listening if you're still listening to this point uh seth thank you so much for being here yeah Um, yeah why don't you go ahead and uh shout yourself out uh yeah i am uh at the birdie word on twitter uh seth adam crow on instagram and you know one day there will be more podcasts of the crowcast so that's the uh, the and then one word crowcast c r o w e c a s t uh, on Spotify and Apple Music. And Ricky, it's your turn to shout yourself out. Thanks for filling the gap. Yeah. <laughs> I was grabbing my phone because <laughs> uh, I I want to. Someone told me like you need to tell us what the instagram for this show is as well and i always forget to do that to shout out this show that we're on right now because <laughs> so i'm gonna shout out all the other shows <laughs> we gotta shout out this one so yes i am uh ricardo blade diaz uh you can find me at ricardo blade diaz on both instagram and tiktok that is r-i-c-a-r-d-o-b-l-a-y-d-e-d-i-a-z uh you can find seth and i on our Dungeons and Dragons show that is at Character Player on Twitch and YouTube, as well as TikTok. Uh, and if you want to find this show, the What's It About Film Podcast, you can follow it at the What's It About Podcast on Instagram. That is no apostrophe, all one word, no apostrophes, no uppercase or anything. Just What's It About Podcast. So that's where you can find this specific show. And you can find Seth and I on our various social medias. But before we say goodbye today, Seth. What's next? All right. Well, we're actually going to have a guest next week. Uh, It is a good friend of mine, co-worker. Uh, She is a freelance writer. Her name is Megan Branham. And the movie we're going to do is In Bruges. In Bruges. Okay. I have never never seen this movie. I had not heard heard of this movie uh, until oh. Ma- Megan mentioned it to me, and she said it changed her life. So it's supposed to be great. Oh. It's supposed to be great. So uh, it's like, a Martin. Mc- it's a Martin McDonough movie. Uh, so you know Martin McDonough, like The Pillow Man. Okay, okay. Seven Psychopaths. Same, same playwright. Same writer. Gotcha. gotcha. Martin McDonough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was uh, like, I'd never seen it. I have no expectations, and she was like, "Well, it changed my life," and I was like, "Well, now I have expectations." So, oh, she should have said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, it's 
I'll, 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 I'll reserve my thoughts for, for next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but again, thank you, Seth, for being here. Thank you all for listening. Please let us know what you guys think about uh, Hustlers, if you've seen it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, why not? Uh, check it out. Um, oh, I, let's look up where you guys can watch In Bruges. I'm so sorry. In Bruges, because I did not know that that's what we were going to do. So let me look up In Bruges. You guys can watch In Bruges on Amazon Prime. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Google Play. You can watch it on Apple TV, Vudu, and that's it. So again, that is Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, Apple TV, and Vudu. If you want to watch along with us at home and get involved in the conversation, let us know what movies you guys would like us to talk about. Uh, tell us your thoughts about these movies, what you're feeling about them. We would love to get involved with you all more uh, on our social media uh, and uh, hear what you guys think. So please get involved if you would like. Otherwise, uh, we will see you and hear you, talk to you next time. Adios. Bye.